and welcome to Experience Points by University XP. On Experience Points, we explore different ways we can learn from games. I'm your host, Dave Ang, from Gamespace Learning by University XP. Find out more at universityxp.com. On today's episode, we'll answer the question, what are mega games? Most people have played games at some point in their lives. They can be tabletop games, card games, board games, playground games, video games, console games, or computer games. Most people have likely played hard games, easy games, social games, or abstract games. Mostly, we've played fun games, but we've probably also played lousy games. Some of us have played small games, micro games, or pocket games. But what about big games? What about mega games? Mega games are one of the most interesting types of games around. They are part role-playing, part simulation, and part social game. This episode will review mega games. It'll define what mega games are, as well as the history of mega games. The structure of mega games will be explained, as well as how role-playing and engagement occurs within the game. Player hierarchies are an interesting component of mega game structure and will be explored in greater depth. Mega games are administered by a certain group of people called control. Their engagement greatly impacts the player experience. Design aspects of mega games will be covered, as well as how mega games can be used for games-based learning. A mega game is an interesting combination of different game elements encountered in other places. They involve role-playing, simulation, and social interactions. Mega games combine all of this on a large scale and introduce aspects of economics and politics into play. This is often represented in mega game components such as maps, charts, interlocking games, and overarching stories that join together to create a larger narrative. Players often take a large role in shaping the mega game experience through live action role-playing. As such, the structure of the game is similar to from play to play, but each group of players brings a new narrative. A mega game is a large-scale game that contains different elements found in other games. Those elements include, but are not limited to, role-playing, simulations, social interactions, economics, and politics, which are combined into an overarching narrative. This combination takes place through other smaller interlocking games that occur concurrently within the mega game. If you haven't heard of mega games before, then you might think that they are a relatively new trend. But they aren't, because mega games have been around since the 1970s. Mega games trace their roots back to British designer Jim Wallman and his connection to war games. The first such mega game implementation was to expand wargaming to a larger scale. It was called Memphis Manager, a Vietnam War game played in April of 1982. The game accommodated about 30 players, including designer Patty Griffith. The mega game idea began to grow from that point, and future designers began to draw inspiration from other games. Not just game mechanics and structure, but rather theory, mathematical concepts, psychology, and sociology of gameplay. However, the earliest mega games relied heavily on the conventions of wargaming and included miniature maps and components representing units. Despite this, the development and structure of mega games has since expanded from that point into a more robust and developed structure. Mega games adapt some concepts and structures from other games. Some of those include decision space for players as well as areas of agency. In mega games, these become private play areas. Players use them to interact with other players in the game in order to achieve their own goals. In addition, there are public areas used to coordinate between these private play areas. This is where these seemingly disparate spaces of the mega game connect with one another. For example, a mega game could have a private play area called the high table, where players are there are engaged in a hidden role negotiation game. In this game, the players must all come to a consensus as to who the, who the trader is. If players can select the trader within three turns, and all players except the trader earn 1,000 money. If the trader escapes without being detected after three turns, then the trader earns 5,000 money and everyone earns nothing. All players receive hints as to who the trader is from players at another table called the map room. 
This map room is another separate private play area that focuses on players engaged in an area control game. This area is called the map room. In this game, players take turns rolling dice in order to determine if armies from one section of the map are able to defeat armies in neighboring sections. Armies are lost every turn. The only way to buy more armies is to purchase them using money earned by players at the high table. These games are connected through two resources, money and hints. This represents just one small connection between these two private play areas and mega games. Structures such as these are seen in many different games. Mega games utilize some of these structures and use them as a framework. Through this, players can see how their actions affect outcomes in both their private play area as well as through the mega game at large. Mega games also usually require a large amount of space. That space can be set up in a number of different ways. This includes gathering in a large central room with many tables to several smaller rooms where walls divide player groups. In addition to space, mega games require a larger time investment than other gaming activities. Some board games can take one to two hours to play, whereas mega games can take between a few hours to a whole day to explain, play, and complete. The structure of mega games alone doesn't define them, the players do. Every mega game will result in different outcomes based on player experiences, behaviors, actions, and motivations. As such, mega game players often roleplay through their gameplay. This is most often compared to LARPs or live action roleplaying. Roleplaying exists in mega games as a way for players to interact, communicate, and collaborate with one another in the game within its theme. A specific distinction between mega games, roleplaying, and LARPs is that mega games can be considered ortho games in their ability to create separate and unequal outcomes for teams and players. This means that there can be a clear and decisive winner in mega games, whereas LARPs are more about the emergent narrative rather than the game. This makes mega games more abstracted compared to LARPs. The theme in mega games is connected to their structure as well as through player roles. Players in mega games take on specific roles that can range from national governments, corporate entities, journalists, politicians, and military personnel. In these roles, players act as their respective group through their interactions with others. Many games focus on some kind and degree of player engagement throughout play. Mega games are no different. Here, players have to do more than compete with one another. Teammates must also communicate with one another, share information, broker deals, and make challenging decisions. The amount and type of player engagement is highly dependent on players and what they want to get out of the experience. This is also dependent on the scenario and the game played. Like its name, mega games require a large number of players. Few mega games require less than 25 participants. Some games require between 25 and 80 players for a full experience. However, other mega games can have participants running into the hundreds. Player interaction is an integral part of the mega game experience. This means that there needs to be enough action, agency, and options for games with these high player counts. That means that opportunities are necessary to keep players engaged throughout with meaningful contributions to gameplay. This player experience builds off the hierarchy of player interaction throughout the game. Some games will consist of several factions playing against each other. In turn, each faction has a team of players with different roles, responsibilities, and decision-making abilities. This model of hierarchy makes it so that there are optimal zones of player interaction and agency at each step of the way. Creating a game so that one player is responsible for too many areas can be cumbersome, bothersome, and unfun. By creating a hierarchy of responsibilities on a team's roster, these activities can be subdivided and delegated. Players are able to exercise agency within the game that has a broad impact through this method. At the same time, they can make meaningful contributions to their team, fueling the social connections that players create through mega gameplay. A mega game naturally has many moving parts. Most board games can get away without the need for an impartial third party. More complicated games require more human input to support its structure. 
Of course, casino games have dealers, pit bosses, and floor supervisors. Even the original Creek Spiel had umpires, professional sports of referees. Debates have moderators. As a result, mega games have control. Control is a team of game masters and moderators that control the flow, structure, and engagement of play for players. They are responsible for managing operations of the game, which includes, but is not always limited to, explaining rules, addressing situations, monitoring the game, and even making up some rules on the fly. Some of the first controllers for Omega Games are their own designers. These individuals spend countless hours designing and printing maps, creating cards, making counters, and assembling them at the Mega Game site. Having a controller is critical to Mega Game success. However, due to the structure of Mega Games, it is often necessary to break apart control into different sub-teams that manage different and specific areas within the game. The need for this structure, impartial third party, and overall game master is critical for overall success, engagement, and managing last-turn madness that often accompanies Mega Game play. Mega games are huge. They are designed in such a way that much of the player experience hinges on the social relationships and networks formed between players. Social networking happens in every mega game. It's inevitable. New relationships are formed throughout play, no matter if that play is with, for, and against other players. Mega games bring people together. They give players the unique ability to role play in a setting bigger than a tabletop RPG. It provides them with the opportunity to solve some puzzles, cooperate with other teammates, and create an experience like no other. The social relationships formed with and among players are often replicated by control members. Most of the time, players are not aware of the schemes and storylines that are created behind the scenes of the control team and how their actions will affect the gameplay overall. However, the very social nature of mega games can be a source of challenge. Sometimes the language barriers, player abilities, and other accessibility concerns hinder players' abilities to participate fully within the game. Despite this, players continue to return to play mega games for the player experience, as this is not something that can be easily replicated elsewhere. Mega games tend to become a destination gaming event where people go to have a great experience. That's because mega games provide a level of player energy that incorporates aspects of tabletop games, war games, simulations, live action role playing, and escape rooms in a unique and interesting combination. All of this is implemented by a unique team of controllers who play a significant role in shaping and crafting the game's overall narrative. Designing mega games is a challenging experience. The biggest challenge is creating something bespoke and customized for the experience the designer wants the players to have. In addition, designers don't want to over-design the experience by creating elaborate rules that would result in complex administration of the game for the control team. Additionally, taking structures and mechanics from existing games could be a promising path for developing a new mega game. However, the process of integrating all of it under one title can be daunting and time-consuming. That means that creating mega games from the ground up can be easier and more straightforward than adapting existing games for a mega game format. Existing games that were never intended to be mega games can be difficult to transition into a modality in which player experience is prized over everything else. Mega games are ripe for application of game-based learning. Mega games are a unique experience that encompasses many different applications of simulations, role-playing, and social connection, all of which are great applications of experiential learning using games. We may not think about mega games as applications of game-based learning, but the prominent use of student organizations like the Model United Nations or the Model European Union are filled with examples and applications often found in other mega games. These include role-playing as different countries with different motivations and priorities, as well as simulating different experiences, events, and incidents. These in turn require the competition and cooperation between individuals and teams. 
Additionally, military academies have used historical simulations and war games as a way to train and educate officers and leaders, the application of which requires the use of military tactics as well as politics, negotiation, and cooperation in order to influence the outcome. This episode reviewed mega games. It defined mega games as well as elaborated on their history and development. The structure of mega games were explained as well as how role playing and engagement occurs within the game. Player hierarchies serve an interesting component of mega game structure and were covered in depth. The control team of mega games were detailed in addition to how the expectations of mega games influence the player experience. Finally, design aspects of mega games were discussed in addition to how mega games are used for game space learning. I hope you found this episode useful. If you'd like to learn more, then a great place to start is with my free course on gamification. You can sign up for it at universityxv.com slash gamification. You can also get a full transcript of this episode, including links to references in the description or show notes. Thanks for joining me. Again, I'm your host, Dave Ang from Gamespace Learning by University XP. On Experience Points, we explore different ways we can learn from games. If you like this episode, please consider commenting, sharing, and subscribing. Subscribing is absolutely free and ensures that you'll get the next episode of Experience Points delivered directly to you. I'd also love it if you took some time to rate the show. I live to lift others with learning. So if you found this episode useful, consider sharing it with someone who could also benefit. Also, make sure to visit University XP online at universityxp.com. University XP is also on Twitter at university underscore XP and on Facebook and LinkedIn as University XP. Also, feel free to email me anytime. My email address is dave at universityxp.com. Game on.